by small children and to be to be um, in a place where we can worship you and and a place where we're family thanking each other for the support we give and and everything that you give us lord it's it's a blessing to be here this morning in christ's name amen I'm going to move this speaker. I just realized I'm going to fall off the stage if I don't, which would be a funny at. Anyway, um, we are working our way through a series on grace, um, and, and I'm going to give you uh, uh, a quick apology. Um, I did something I never do. Um, I try not to duplicate. You know, I try to spread out as much as I can for, for the main verse of a sermon. And Jeremy preached on this like a year ago. And I had already written the sermon when I talked to my wife and had her look it up. And I realized that, like, oh, man, Jeremy did this. And so if you'd like to hear a better sermon on this, go to the church's sermon website and listen to his. It's only about five minutes long, so it'll be easy. Um, <laughs> um, but, but so for those of you who are here that Sunday, it's a rerun. I'm sorry. Um, we're, we're talking about grace and last week we, uh, um, last week we talked about John and Peter. We were right at the end of the book of John and uh, Peter was given kind of a recommission and he was told, look, the way you're going to die is going to glorify God, right? And Peter and John kind of compete. Any of y'all have folks that you do that with? You know, they, you watch what they do and you try to do it better. It's just me. Wow. Um, so Peter and John are very competitive with each other. We have accounts of them arguing and stuff like that. And, and um, Peter asked, turns to John and says, well, what about that guy? What's he going to do? And Jesus said, well, none of your business. Um, and, and what we looked at last week, um, God gives us grace. Grace is a gift you could not possibly earn and that you do not deserve. But God gives you anyway because he loves you like, like beyond reason, um, beyond what is reasonable. Right. God loves you enormously. And so he he moves, you know, the universe to make it right between us. Right. Like with our rebellion and everything. And um, I'm not ready to get there yet. (laughs) What are you doing to me? Um, And so, uh, oh, you're moving my slide. Sorry. Y'all didn't see that. My display went funny. Um, God loves us. God loves us that much that he's willing to go this far. And, and the tendency sometimes is say, well, God forgives me, and then look at the people around you and talk about how bad they are, and God probably isn't forgiving them. Like, it's an easy thing to do. Church folks do it sometimes. I know it's a shock. Um, and, and so last week we started out by talking about the idea that um, grace is, is for us, and when we receive grace, we need to look at those around us and see them with a heart that, like, has been forgiven. If I've been forgiven a lot, I need to forgive the folks around me a lot, right? And I need to praise God that he forgives them, too, because, because we're all in need of it. Everybody with me? Um, and this week, um, we're going to be looking at uh, Ephesians chapter 1, um, which I apparently am missing the first slide. What happened? Oh, no. Um, well, while you fix that, <laughs> my wonderful and beautiful wife, what are these? What are they? They're flowers. They are also, for anybody who's been married for any length of time, a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I have been married for like 16 years, and my wife this year told me, Eric, do not ever give me flowers again. They just die. Right. Um, <laughs> and and that's got me thinking. And as I started working on this passage, I had this this realization um, flowers like these roses. Right. They're pretty. 
Are they? They're pretty. They probably smell good, except I have a cold, so I don't know. Um, they, they would be a nice gift, right? Um, but at the bottom line of what's true about them is, is these flowers are dead. Isn't it true? They were alive at one point, and then someone came along and clipped them at the bottom, and they were detached from the rest of the plant, and the source of life for them um, ceased to be connected. And then from that point forward, they were dead, right? Um, It's easy to look at my leftover... Oh, I need that little tray because somebody made made me water them. Um, It's easy to look at these Easter lilies and say, no, those are dead. They're dead, right? They're not in very nice shape. If I gave these to my wife, I would get into trouble, which is almost inevitable anyway. (laughs) Um, But eventually, they'll resemble this rose, right, Which which is thoroughly dead. I mean, it's, you know, dried up. I can knock pieces off of it. Um, But this rose set, right, is just as dead as this one. From the point where they're detached from the source of their life, that's it. Everybody with me? Um, They don't look the same, but it doesn't change the fact. Do I have my slide? Yes. All right. (laughs) Um, I love you, honey. I have some flowers for you. <laughs> um, Ephesians 2.1 starts with, um, and, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins. Um, it's actually um, in the translation that I initially picked out. It was, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Um, what this is talking about is, like, we look around, um, and anybody who is alive, right, anybody you ever encounter, Um, We all begin life separated from God because the world we live in is broken, right? I mean, how do you know the world is broken? Well, look at how people act, right? You you go around and you'll find folks who you think, you know, how can you do this, right? How can you hurt the people around you? How can you take advantage of these folks? How can you act this way? Like the reality is that everybody is born with this distance from God. And they are, um, the Bible describes it as being spiritually dead, right? It's a disconnect. Um, we may encounter folks who look like this, right? That guy's pretty good. He's really got his act together. He's doing fantastic. He's a good guy. But in reality, everyone at their core is, is like my roses, right? Spiritually dead because they're disconnected from God. Now, sometimes we'll encounter folks who are, you know, drunk all the time and stealing and, you know, hurting puppies and stuff like that, and they might look like this. Or we might encounter somebody who's really a bad guy, um, you know, like a Green Bay Packers fan. And uh, (laughs) I just pulled that off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) I don't even like football. Um, And we might say, oh, man, the Green Bay Packers, that's you. Oh, I'm sorry, a John Deere guy, that's you. Is that better? (laughs) Um, um, But in reality, trespass and sin, like all of us sin. And we sin like early on. My daughter, as beautiful and wonderful as she is, and she needs to be beautiful and wonderful, or I probably would have killed her by now, um, she lies to me. Can you believe that? That sweet little bundle of joy lies to me. Um, Who taught her how to lie? Pretty much no one. She figured that one out on her own, right? 
because we're all inclined to do that sort of thing. It is part of who we are. We are literally like bathed in, in rebellion. Um, and so what Paul starts off with is, listen, you were dead in your trespasses and sin, meaning your rebellion against God, in which you once walked, means, meaning, by the way, um, for those of you who didn't catch it, Jeremy probably made the same joke, like, like he's addressing these, these Gentile believers, right? They're not Jewish people. They're Gentile believers. He says, you were once dead, but you were walking. You were the walking dead. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know that was you. <laughs> uh, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. So whenever the Bible says, or whenever an ancient writer would write, in which you once walked, what that means is, it it just refers to how you live, right? Um, It's a little like uh, Johnny Cash, right? I walk the line. Um, meaning I live my life in harmony with what's expected of me in my relationship with you. You know, because you're mine, I walk the line. I'm not going to sing it because it'll be obvious how much better those kids sing than I do. Um, oh, I lost it again. Uh, in, which you were, in which you once walked, following the course of the world. Now, following the course of the world refers to the fact that the world is broken, right? The world is, is out of harmony. It's not running right. It's, it's um, in, in opposition to what God wants, right? And when we follow the course of the world, we're like watching the world around us and saying, this is good, this is what I'm going to do, right? Um, the most important way for me to live is this, and this is what I'm told, this is what commercials and TVs say, this is what I should be doing. And in reality, um, that's not in harmony with what God wants, right? Um, God desires that we walk with him and in his way. Um, but the walking dead, the folks who are like spiritually not alive, even if they look beautiful and smell great, unless they're walking in harmony with God, they're disconnected from the source of their life. Um, this is what Paul is telling us. Um, following the prince of the power of the air, so you've got a first influence, which is the world. Um, the prince of the power of the air is like, um, is like the devil. It's rebellion against God, like his fallen angels. It's Sin in general, like, influences us, right? Whenever you say the devil made, made me do it, there's a little Bible to support you. Um, you're still going to get in trouble. It never worked for me when I was a kid, but there you go. Um, <laughs> because we're influenced, we're influenced by evil in the world around us. We're influenced by the devil. Like, we're tempted. We're given things like, hey, don't you want that? Or, hey, you know, your wife said something mean to you. Wouldn't it be fun? You know, oh, I got the perfect line. Why is it I always have the perfect line when she's, like opening herself up for me to, like, win the argument. And I discover, actually, once I say it, I've lost the argument, and I have to buy flowers. Um, and the last thing is our flesh. Like, like, the Bible talks about flesh, like this part of us that, that, that is in rebellion against God. It literally, it's almost like if I was driving my car, and someone were to reach over and, like, grab the wheel and turn it. And, like, I knew a guy in high school, he was a jerk, he would do that. We would be driving on the highway, he'd reach over and grab the wheel and turn it. What the heck is wrong with you? Um, our flesh is like that, right? That's those moments that you say or do something and you think, where did that come from? Right? Or um, there was a period of time when I argued with my wife a lot, and I would be like saying stuff, and in the back of my head I'm thinking, it's time for me to shut up. I need to stop talking. I need to stop this. But there's another part of me that's like, she needs to hear this stuff. 
And of course she doesn't. I'm just being a jerk, right? Like, it's like my hobby. I'm good at it. Um, and so these three things, like, like we walk in this stuff, it drives us, it directs us. We obey it in our lives, right? Um, and, and as long as that is the case, we're living this, right? We might look good, but we're like my cut roses. We got our little thorns for you to get stuck on if you get too close, right? Um, in Romans 5, we see uh, Paul again writes, like, for if, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Um, what he's talking about here, and I, the reason I included this is, Paul says we're dead in our sin, but our sin actually makes us God's enemies, right? If I were to get up during the song, right, all the people said amen, right? And I love that song, and I love how Laura and Kaylin, I keep doing that, I love how they sing it. If I were to pick up a microphone, I would not harmonize with them, okay? Um, My wife will not sit next to me in church because she can't sing when I sing because I am so tone deaf and my voice is so bad and I'm so way out there, right, that I am an enemy of good music, right? I, I am an enemy of harmony. I am an enemy of, of pretty sounds um, because I may try, but even my best efforts are a part of me being an enemy of good sound, right? What um, Paul is saying is not only are we inclined you know, spiritually dead, disconnected from our spiritual source, but we're inclined to walk in a way that's like out of harmony, right? It's out of harmony with how God designed the world to work. Um, I, have, I, have a, I had a Jaguar at one point. It was a beautiful car, right? But because it was a Jaguar, it broke down all the time. And you would find things that would suddenly be out of harmony. They would make the thing run like, like garbage, right? Um, run like a deer. I'm trying to make it up with... Talent. Um, <laughs> um, but they, you know, once they're out of harmony, they're out of harmony. And the whole world operates that way. I, I've done two visits in the last two days of folks who have, have ongoing cancer issues. Believe me when I tell you, we were not meant to get cancer. Did everybody believe me? That is outside of your design. But the world is broken. And it's tragically broken. Um, and because of that, it runs worse and worse every day. Um, and it's, it's, it's awful. Um, and so um, Paul says, listen, you know, you walked in a way that you were enemy of harmony. Um, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Um, so we live, like literally live as enemies of God. We are spiritually dead. We are slowly wilting, right, in our, in our behavior, in our heart, in our everything. Have you ever met somebody who was like, um, you know, a little bit of a bitter person? My grandmother was this way. She was a little bitter when she was young. And then as she got older, she just got nastier and nastier, right? My aunt told me that when she'd get home from school, she would run past her so she didn't have to talk to her. Um, I remember uh, I came home. I, was, I lived with my grandmother and my aunt in college, and I, uh, I came home one day, and she cussed me out for leaving laundry in the washer. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma. Did you bake me cookies? Um, and by the time she was, like, like, very old, and she was in a nursing home, and my parents took her in, right, and everybody else in the family said, we don't want her. And my parents took care of her and visited her. She would tell my dad, um, yeah, I always loved your brother more. 
<laughs> and I'm just awful stuff. And you think, why would you say that, you horrible woman? It's because she had, she had a dying part of her soul, right? And it got more dead, and finally it got to this point where she was just like, like, like broken. And everybody that came near her was infected by it, right? Or affected by it. Um, and even in that place, when we you know, are so at odds with God, even if we're in this place where we're still at odds with God, we're separated from him spiritually, God loves us enough to pick us up out of it and reattach us to the bush. I mean, I could probably try all day. I would never make these roses be alive again, right? I couldn't. Once they're cut, they're cut. My daughter, um, we, we put one of our, our puppies down last year, and my daughter for a while asked me when we were going to go get him. I, I buried him. She knows he's buried. So w- when's he going to get up? And it took a lot of work. <laughs> well, no, like he's, that's it. You know, there ain't no one doing it. It's, it's what it is. And, and because of that, I can't undo it. I uh, read a great story as to what this is. Um, I, I was reading about an English preacher in, who lived in the slums in London. He's walking home one day, and he sees this little girl who's carrying a pitcher of milk. And she slips, and she falls, and the pitcher smashes. And she gets up, and she just starts bawling. And he says, well, what, what's wrong? You know, what, what, why are you crying? He says, well, when I get home, my mother's going to beat me because I've broken the pitcher and I've lost the milk. And the man says, well, here, let me help you. And he sits down in the gutter, and he tries to put the pitcher back together. Do you think he'd be able to do it? Well, of course not, right? But he tries with her, and every time they get close enough, the thing would fall apart again. And finally, um, she's just bawling and hysterical. He picks her up, and he carries her to a store, and he buys the most expensive pitcher on the shelf. And then he carries her to the market, and he fills it with milk. And he carries her home, and as he approaches her home, carrying her in one hand and the milk in the other, he says, do you think your mom will still be mad at you? She says, well, of course not. This is a much better picture than the one I broke, right? And he drops her off at her home. And, and like, did he gain anything from that child? Did he have anything that, that he could, like, get from her? Really nothing, right? Um, that's what grace is. Grace is when God picks us up when we have nothing to offer him, right? If God made me and the whole world, right, he didn't need anything from me, right? I think, oh, well, I'm doing God a favor by showing up and singing to him. He's got, like, literally thousands of angels that sing to him all the time. He doesn't need me to sing to him, especially with as bad as I sing. Um, He doesn't need anything I have to offer. But because of his love, which is unmerited, he picks us up. He gives us something better than what we had, right? It would be a little like taking the dead roses and reattaching them to the bush, only reattaching them as um, something, I don't even know what's better than roses. Um, An apple tree, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Um, As a hot dog tree, that would be, no. (laughs) Um, God takes us when we're in our death, in our spiritual separation, and he sets us up right. And he brings us back to life. How does he do it? He does it um, with Christ, right? He says, made alive with Christ. Um, Jesus, when he came, we did this at Easter, right? We talked about it. Good Friday, God's only son, God's like beloved, was, was horribly executed. 
um, suffered and died and buried. And, and when he did that, God took all of our death, all of our brokenness, all of our rebellion, all of our, our wickedness, all of my, you know, like the bitterness that we harbor, the nasty things that we say to each other, the ways that we like say, well, you know, forget you, God, I'm going to do what I want. <laughs> um, all of that stuff. And he, he poured his wrath out, right? And we think of wrath like, like me getting mad and like yelling at my kids. That's, you know, but wrath in the Bible, like the word, um, what it refers to is like justice, right? Um, I was reading about, uh, did you guys, there was a, uh, 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 that young man, I can't say his name. He was on trial here like last week. The guy who blew up the pressure cooker at the Boston Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Um, <laughs> this, this young man, and, and he killed and maimed all these people, right? Um, um, and there are all these folks who I, I was reading Facebook and all these people saying, oh, well, they should, they should blow him up. You know, they should do this. They should do that. They should, you know, and there's all this anger, like, because there's this expectation of justice, right? Justice needs to be handed down on this young man. You know, we all oh, get him, you know, squish that bad guy. Um, in the end, though, if we've sinned, right, if we've got this pile of rebellion against God, we have justice coming. And that's what God's wrath is, right? That's justice. Justice is a terrible thing. Right? I don't want to pay for my sins, right? Because I can't. Because it would be horrible. But God pays for our sins with his son. That is grace, right? That is, I will give you something better. Um, and so then, um, in that, he is made alive, we're made alive together with Christ, which means, and this is tough to understand, okay? God made everything, right? God made space and God made time. So the passing of present, the eternity that this sermon has gone so far, all of that stuff did not exist before God created it, right? Even like if I were to throw a rocket at um, Terry right now, like that distance didn't exist before God created it. So God's not subject to that. So when Jesus was raised to life, in effect, we were too. So by having faith in Christ, um, when Jesus was raised up, everybody who would ever have faith in him was raised up too. My resurrection comes with him, right? It is so certain and assured, and God knows that it will be, like, so I'm raised up as well. And by the way, that means that every loved one you've ever had who knew Jesus who passed away is already raised up, right? It is so certain that you might as well say it already happened, right? Like the Cubs not winning the World Series this year. Um, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So, like, not only were we brought to life again, reattached to the rose bush, but we're put in heaven with Jesus. Like, it's an assured thing if you were a follower of Jesus, you were there. It's going to happen. No question, no doubt. You will be raised up at the end, and you will be set in heaven with Jesus. And actually, not only will you be set in heaven with Jesus, you will be put there as a trophy. Right? Anybody ever get a trophy? I, uh, I lettered in high school in competitive public speaking. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I know, don't mess with me. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I... I, uh, actually, I have on, my, uh, on a shelf in my living room, I have a barbecue trophy. I won People's Choice for some barbecue contest, right? Actually, I think Larry's got a similar one. And, Anne, do you have one? Okay. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Anne. <laughs> but this trophy, I have it there so people can look at it and say, hey, Eric won, right? 
God, like, in forgiving us, in pouring this enormous amount of love and grace on us, will, in eternity, forever and ever and ever, keep us set aside and say, this is how much mercy and grace I have. You, you folks who follow Jesus are like God's trophy, declaring how awesome he is. Um, but part of that is that it's a process. Um, for grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith, meaning not through effort. God forgives you because he's forgiving and because he's loving by grace, something you can't earn and don't deserve, right? Um, through faith, meaning the only thing you have to do is have faith in Jesus, right? Trust that he is the son of God and that he was raised from the dead and that he is the source of the forgiveness of your sins. And that is it, um, And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Um, There's sometimes I meet folks who think, I am so good, right? And look at how good I am. God's lucky he has me, right? uh, um, But they're just, you know, they're like the dead flowers hanging out and saying, yep, I got a lot going for me, and it's going into eternity. Destined for this, right? Um, even our best, ra- best works are like filthy rags next to God's robes of righteousness, um, is, is what the uh, Isaiah says. Um, we can't brag about it. God forgave us and made us right. So if you hear somebody bragging about how good they are, they're not right. They're lying. Um, for we are his workmanship. Now, the word workmanship in Greek is poema, right? What does that sound like? poem. It actually refers to the work of a master craftsman, right? Um, something that is made that is perfect and beautiful and like, like awesome, right? Um, you'll see this sometimes where like you'll see functional things that are art. Does that make sense? Um, like a Ferrari, right? Ferrari is beautiful. Do people buy it because it's beautiful? Well, yeah. They also buy it because it goes 200, um, like it is a beautiful thing that is a work of a master craftsman and it, it, it does stuff created in Christ Jesus, meaning that we're made into this new person. We're given a brand new picture um, because Jesus died for us and we're made new in Jesus for good works, meaning that once we have it, it's for a purpose. Um, the little girl with a brand new picture, do you think she tossed it in the air on her way to the the market the next day to get more milk, and she swung it around. She probably cherished it, right? And she probably used it for milk, right? She didn't put it up on a shelf and say, that's the picture. No, she used it. And we are given new life, made brand new, forgiven, given this grace for work. And that work is to touch the lives of those around us, right? To raise our children to know Jesus, Um, to be people who are like good-smelling flowers in the room, right? You ever meet somebody like that? They walk in the room and just their attitude and their behavior, it's like, man, I'm glad that guy's here, right? I make bad smells. Um, Which God has prepared beforehand um, that we should walk in him, meaning that on the other end of it, what we're intended to do, we're made brand new, we're given work to do, work he's already planned out, and we're supposed to walk in it, meaning we're supposed to live our lives like as servants of him, doing his work, serving his world, taking care of his people, showing his love to the folks around us. We are supposed to be like, like honestly, like works of art that serve. Um, 
my challenge for you this week, and I always close with a challenge for those who've been here a while. My challenge for you this week is first off to look at your heart and ask, right? Where am I? What am I? Am I sitting on the altar and, you know, cut at the base, just waiting for the day to come when I'm tossed? Like, am I dead? If you do not know Jesus, if you are not a person who follows Jesus, if you've not committed to, like, being under his lordship, like, cut flowers. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? And I say it because it's serious. Um, Cut flowers. If you're somebody who's been made new, reattached to the bush, given a better life, um, how are you walking in it? Are you a beautiful work of art or are you even trying to become that? Or are you sort of enjoying what you've been given for your own, you know, your own purpose? This is mine. I'm going to enjoy it. We're given it to serve each other and to love each other and to forgive each other and to share his word and to be Jesus in this world. Um, so are you doing it? This week, throughout the week, ask yourself, what am I doing? Who am I? Am I alive? Am I dead? Am I using it for myself? Am I serving the people around me? What am I doing with what God has given me? We're going to close in prayer, and I'm long, guys. I'm sorry we had a whole bunch of extra stuff this week, so it's everybody else's fault, not mine. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd be with everybody who's here this morning. I pray that you'd be with those folks who are, who are like cut flowers sitting in the vase and, and um, help them to recognize that they need to be attached to the source of life, that they need Jesus, and that they need to be forgiven. And Lord God, I pray that you would press on their hearts through your spirit, that they You know, they need to do that today. It's not something to be tossed to the side. Um, Lord God, please help us to to be living, breathing works of art to the folks around us. Help us to do the good work that you prepared for us and to become more like Jesus every day. Help us to put away the the brokenness of our past. Help us to look to you in the, the, the life that we live, knowing that, you know, this is all in your hands and that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. And all the people said...